Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. You know, if America is such a bad place, why is it that every year more people immigrate here legally than all of the other nations combined every year? Think about that. I'm a little feisty this morning. I'm sick and tired of the propaganda and the trash of the revisionists and of those who try to change our nation's history. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. We cannot look at world history without being overwhelmed as Americans that world history has been much made up of by what God did through America. When we talk about American exceptionalism, we're not talking about Americans being better than anybody else. You need to understand that. American exceptionalism means that God did miraculous things with common people. And to be an American is to be common people who have come together for the same cause. To be an American is a choice. Your passport doesn't guarantee that you're an American. Your passport guarantees that you're a citizen of this nation. But to be an American is something of the spirit. It's some decision that you make based upon what this nation stands for. And you are sitting in the most grand experiment of human government in the history of man. It's absolutely awesome and remarkable. When in the founding of our fathers and in the pilgrim era before that, it was understood that the new world across the sea, they would say, would be a land of freedom. Now, many attempts were made to colonize the east coast of the United States. And if you focus on any particular group, you could come away with a selective part of history. Many of you have heard, you've heard of the 1619 Project. Have you not heard of that? Your kids are being taught that trash in school. Why? Because our modern day system has decided to dial down on one little segment of American history. And of course, they pick the bad. None of the settlements worked well at all until, and it's as though God was waiting, until 1620, when the separatist pilgrims left Europe coming here to worship God aboard the Mayflower. And if you have any doubt, you need to read the Mayflower Compact, as I often challenge you as this church to read, if you have any doubt. But in 1620, that settlement took hold, barely took hold, but it made it. While the others failed, based on slavery, based on possessions, based on wealth, based on manipulation, based on the English crown, they failed. One settle, and that was the pilgrims of 1620. The book of Jeremiah says in chapter 16, verse 17, for his eyes are on all their ways. And that was a verse mentioned by William Bradford regarding the journey of the pilgrim fathers. I want to draw to your attention throughout this message moments of American history, why you ought to go out today and thank God that you were 
either born here or that you immigrated here. I like saying that, by the way. You know, if America is such a bad place, why is it that every year more people immigrate here legally than all of the other nations combined every year? Think about that. I'm a little feisty this morning. I'm sick and tired of the propaganda and the trash of the revisionists and of those who try to change our nation's history. So on Saturday, July 28th, 1787, at the age of 81 years of age, Benjamin Franklin stood and addressed Congress. And I quote, in this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth and scarce able to distinguish it when presented to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of Lights to illuminate our understandings? In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, when we were sensible of danger, and we had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection, our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of superintending providence in our favor. I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more in convincing proofs I see of this truth that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Said Ben Franklin. And by the way, from that moment, from that challenge, they went to prayer and read American history, will ya? Everything changed from that moment on. After Franklin's challenge, we wound up watching the fulfillment of the Declaration of Independence. We saw the drafting and the crafting of the Constitution. And a nation was off on its way to make its place known among the nations of the world. Makes you wonder, though, that Franklin must have been wondering regarding that sparrow. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, what is the price of two sparrows? Is it not one copper coin? But a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. That's the heart of our God. And so as I read to you right now, just the moment, the opening throws of the Declaration of Independence, you would do well to study more at your leisure about what God was doing. 56 men brought together of an intellect, each of them, that is still to this day unknown, unparalleled in human history. That in one room, 56 geniuses who sacrificed their money, their property, their freedoms, their liberty, and gave all. Some more than others. Many times we forget that guys like George Washington, who was considered one of the top five wealthiest men in the colonies, and the wealthiest man, John Hancock, both of them, when Congress couldn't get their act together, both of them from their own bank accounts funded the American Revolution War machine themselves. John Adams, being married to Abigail for 14 years, out of those 14 years, he spent seven years in Europe trying to negotiate support for the American cause. They sacrificed. Today, America needs to get back and embrace sacrifice. We need to watch out for leisure. We need to be careful about affluence. We ride on the heels and we stand on the shoulders of these giants who gave everything. So much so 
There are people who burn the flag based on the liberty that they bought us. There are people who protest against this state. And those who gave sacrifice gave you the First Amendment right to say so. It's amazing. This, this morning I looked at the, some video that was sent to me by somebody I know, that's all I'll say, of what's happening in Morocco. Well, people are fleeing Africa and trying to make it into Morocco. And the moment they crossed the border, they were mowed down. No questions asked. Mowed down, beat to death, destroyed, seeking shelter and safety. And yet on this nation's east coast stands a statue of liberty inviting all those who want peace and all those who want a chance and all those who want prosperity and all those who want to have religious freedom to come here. And still today, as messed up as she is, we want to make sure that we understand that she's been messed up by the hands of politicians who don't know anything about what we're talking about today in this service. More on that later. Franklin would know nothing about it, but Jefferson, the craftsman, in the Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which laws of nature and nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impelled them to the separation. And here it comes. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are the, are the, among these are the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Church family, those words had never been uttered in the realm of political dialogue in the history of man. Ever. Never were the people invited to take control of their own destiny. It was always despots, kings, and rulers. And when Jefferson wrote that we hold these truths to be self-evident, he's talking about what would be the First Amendment. That inside of you is this understanding and longing and knowing that you've got to be free. And you're going to say what you think. And you are going to do what you do because God has made you a person of individual actions. And so that's why that's the First Amendment. And that you can outlaw worship, but people will worship anyway. And that's why it's in the First Amendment. And today, like never before, we need to remember and we need to restate it over and over again. The First Amendment declares that you may worship as your conscience dictates and the government cannot hinder you or molest you in your worship. That is the First Amendment of the United States. You want to talk about separation of church and state in the context of the founding fathers? They understood it perfectly well. Think about it. To this day, Congress is opened up in prayer every day since Benjamin Franklin. Why is that the case? Because they understood the separation of church and state. Why is it today that we've got Bibles that are 
not only all about, but we've got a capital in our nation that is full of Bible, Bible references, Bible moments inscribed in granite. Why? Why? Because they understood the separation of church and state. It meant this, that the state will not molest or hinder our worship. It's not the other way around. It's not the CNN version. It's not MSNBC's version of it. We need to remember that. There is no place in this nation where your faith is prohibited according to the Constitution of the United States. And our founders understood that. And they laid down their lives for that. Number one, church, when in the course of human events, there was the move of God. God moves in the course of human events. One of the great things about today, gathering together, is that you and I are living in our moment. When God moved, we have a tendency to memorialize God's movements in history, and we sterilize them. The first thing I want you to see today, that when in the course of human events, there's the move of God. And when I talk about that, I speak regarding our past. You gotta remember, when we see those great paintings of our, of our founding fathers dressed in the apparel of the day, we wonder, what funny clothes? They didn't think they were wearing funny clothes. None of them walked around and said, look at us wearing our funny clothes, and isn't it amazing that we're making history? They lived in the moment. You're living in the moment right now for your generation, for your age. In many ways, there's no difference. They chose to go against impossible adversity. We don't often talk about it, but in our Constitution, it is against the law for the United States Armed Forces to quarter their troops among our citizenry. You say, what does that mean? In this 13 colonies, the British used to come in when they were hungry into your house, and when they ate your food, they would sleep with your daughter or your wife. And our founders said, that's wrong. They would come in and they would take our guns and our powder, which in those days meant that you're basically destined you to starvation. And our founders said, that's wrong. And when we had to ship our sermons back to Britain to be censored before they could be preached, our black robe regiment of the pulpits of the colonial period said, that's wrong and it's not going to happen. We're going to preach what God says, if you like it or not, King George. And they did it. There was a move of God when in the course of human events, and it was with Bible in hand. America can boast this. It's not only a fact that you can read about, and there's libraries of books full of these events, but there's paintings to capture it as well. But I'd like to take you back. I love the fact that Pastor Robert Hunt, listen to this, chaplain of Jamestown, Virginia, he first lifted his voice in public thanksgiving and prayer. Get the date. On April 29, 1607, when the settlers planted a cross at Cape Henry. From that time on, the settlers of Jamestown attended regular prayer and Bible study meeting led by Hunt before a chapel could be erected. When Hunt held his first services, they were held under the old sail from off the off their ship. He pitched a easy up, as it were, and had a sermon. 
And I don't know if you've been to Jamestown, but we've stood in the very spot. And I took some pictures pretending I was preaching at the spot where that sail was erected. It's marked today, but it's quite remarkable, quite awesome. But it went on. Among the congregation was a Captain John Smith. Anybody remember studying about him? Who described the worship services that took place in the open air as being attended to by God. John Smith said of Pastor Hunt's labors, he saw the hand of God at work in his life and he believed God had intervened to save the colonies. Hunt concluded that it was God who had thwarted Spanish attempts to settle North America and he had reserved that region for the Protestant English. There's a lot of facts to back that up. With Bible in hand, moving forward, the Great Awakening would take place the first great awakening. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, and I quote, the increase of disagreement from the established churches, English churches, split. During this period, which led to a broader toleration of religious diversity and the return of the religious experience, which, listen, fed the fervor that resulted in the American Revolution. If you ever ask yourself or, or want to know the answer, how did the revolution ever begin? Did Jefferson or Franklin wake up one day? Was it Sam Adams that said, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to start a revolution. No, listen, it all started in the preaching of the pulpits that I mentioned a moment ago called the Black Robe Regiment. That term was a derogatory term that was brought against them by the King of England. England understood they were not only fighting a bunch of farmers turned soldiers, they had heard rumors about George Washington being a bumbling fool. He was a colonel in the British Army, if you remember that. And at the Battle of Brandywine, he was the only one to survive. Well, what is he going to do? But then what happened was, it was the spirit that was behind the effort. The fight for liberty and freedom. Absolutely awesome. I think we have a picture. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a selfie or anything, but... While you're looking at that, let me explain. Just to kind of rub it in, some of you may know, just by the way that he wore his hair, he had a high forehead, he stood on, he preached in the open air. You want to know why this is a big deal? Some of you historians get it immediately. You know his name, because what he was doing right there is 100% illegal. You're not allowed to do that. England forbade that. You couldn't deliver a message unless it was indoors. This young man, and I mean young man, left England, and he came here, and he's known as one of the founding fathers of the American Revolution unofficially. I think it should be more official. That's George Whitfield. Have you ever heard of orphanages? He started orphanages in Georgia, in the colonies. George Whitfield. Benjamin Franklin funded George Whitfield's missionary outreaches to the colonies. Ben Franklin recorded that at one time, delivering a message on Boston Common, George Whitfield was reaching with his voice without magnification, amplification. He was reaching 30,000 people. That those who heard him preach said that the atmosphere was divinely energized, that people could supernaturally hear him preach a quarter of a mile away. A miracle was taking place. Why? Because there was a people in the pursuit of freedom. Mark that down if you would the pursuit of freedom with Bible in hand. If you open up your Bible, you're gonna find something that God has put within your heart, the love of freedom. 
The love of freedom is not bound up in red, white, and blue. It's not bound up in our constitution. It's not bound up in our declaration of independence. The love of freedom is bound up in the human heart and it's addressed in the Bible. Jesus said, I've come to set you free, not enslave you. The Bible says you're free in Christ Jesus, so no longer become entangled in the affairs of this life. Free, the pursuit of freedom. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Real life. Hey